weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live. Good morning. You're very, very welcome along to KCLR Live with me, Unanip Weldownik and Brian Redmond. We're here. And as ever, we're only dying to hear from you. You can free phone us on 1-800-909696. You can text us on our Dinners Ready line 083-306-9696. Or you can email on Live at kclr96fm.com. We've got loads coming up for you between now and 12 o'clock. We'll be going live to Boris Fair shortly. We'll be talking about nutrition and managing the dreaded back-to-school expenses between now and and 11 o'clock but actually speaking of ex- of expenses we've got a little bit of money to give away it's Heritage Week and to celebrate all this week we'll be asking you to identify local heritage sites we've got two 100 euro one for all vouchers to give away to lucky listeners and all you've got to do is listen to this piece of audio and identify the heritage site that Ethna is describing first up we're going to go to Carlo <laughs> I'm located just outside Bagnestown and was built in the 14th century. My interior is now bare. What am I? Yes, you can get your entries in on 083-306-9696 if you can identify that site. That voucher could be yours. And talking all things heritage, we're going to head over to Edwina Greggs because live from Boris, uh, where the Boris Fair is taking place, the Horse Fair is taking place in the scenic village at the foot of the Blackstairs Mountains and has been taking place on the 15th of August every year for the last 400 years. Good morning to you, Edwina. How are you keeping? I'm good, Brian, thanks. And yeah, I uh, haven't been to all 400 years <laughs> of the Boris Fair, but uh, we're certainly here last year, the first one I like the way uh, you managed to get the in. pandemic. I like the way you managed to get that little <laughs> defensive parry in before I had the little dig. Of course you haven't been to all 400, but what's it looking like <laughs> this year? It's busy. Uh, it certainly appears to be a lot busier than last year, Brian. Um, there's no parking uh, field as in previous years, so a lot of people have been parking up kind of the side of the road. I came in from the Gores Bridge side. Uh, a lot of cars um, parked up there on the side of the road or at the petrol station and that, but it is chock-a-block with stalls. I've just passed down by the uh, Step House Hotel and Burr's House, and literally uh, every inch, pretty much, of the route has stalls. I'm looking at cabinets and breakfast bar uh, stools, I'm looking at lanterns. There's clothes of every kind. Uh, fashion is a big thing here. You've everything from work boots to the latest sandal. Um, everything and anything you can get here today. And already chatting to people, um, they've travelled from pretty much all over Ireland. Uh, a lot of locals um, have come back to Burris. People who grew up in Burris have come back. Um, they tell me they stayed with their dads or grandparents because this is part of their childhood. And then, you know, you've got the side of it whereby, as I say, some of the businesses have closed up shop, while others are very much open today. And of course, there are the usual um, array of food trucks here. Um, I'm passing one out at the moment, full of burgers and things, ice cream um, vans and all of that, as well as all the stalls. But it is literally chock-a-block with uh, various things here today. 
I mean, it, it certainly sounds it. We can hear all the noise in the background. It's great setting the scene, setting the tone and giving us a sense of the atmosphere. Obviously, with that many people on site, the main street is closed, we understand, um, until 6pm from 7am. Uh, but access will be allowed for residents and obviously for emergency services as well. Um, are you getting a sense that there's many visitors there just yet or is it still to, to really ramp up to the fullest extent in terms of the amount of people visiting the fair? Typically, you're talking probably midday to lunchtime, Brian, when you'd get the uh, real crux of the attendance here. But for now, um, I've met a, a family from Winegap. I've met people from Leash. So the neighbouring county is getting in a little bit earlier. As I say, a lot of people came last night. And I think there was a, a larger crowd showed up last night than, than people had anticipated. Uh, last year, the numbers were down after the break in, during covid so it's kind of been thought that maybe was it petering out after the centuries of uh, taking place here in Burris, but that's shown no sign today so far, at least. Now, whether the crowd that's expected to turn up a bit later on does, that's all to play for. But but coming down, a lot of the railings are up outside uh, Joyce's pub, as I said, the step house, uh, some of the businesses like that, Centre appears to be closed as well. Um, but... Uh, there's a lot of people already out, Brian, and the whole way down, as I say, from the gates of uh, where the parking used to take place at the far side, the Gores Bridge side of the town, the whole way down, there are just stalls after stalls after mm. stalls, looking at some beautiful dresses here. The Barbie pink is uh, very much a focus. Who knows? I might have a purchase. Um, but, you know, from being here last year, a lot of the businesses that do remain open say they find it to be a great day they find the extra people in town or in the, vi the village um, brilliant you know they bring with them a spend yeah. um, but always when you get a large influx of people it's great you know, to see there are it's great to see the heritage of a site like Boris, a town like Boris, continuing. I mean, places like Joyce's, of course, celebrated 100 years of opening just last weekend. I mean, it's a historic town, um, but nice to see that it's still connected to its heritage, but yet such an important part of a, a modern, thriving community as well. Yeah, and interesting to see um, that the horse trading very much being done now. A lot of people tell you most of the, the work when it comes to that is done on the Monday night when a lot of people um, get here first but uh, the horses are all out and it's you know I see two uh, fine looking species trotting towards me here at the moment are, as I continue down towards the church I'm talking horses I am yes yes I'm talking horses you know and literally anything goes you know I'm looking at as I say a horse trotting towards me and then there's a whole stall filled with those you know those balloon balls that come with the <laughs> Um, a little attachment hello oh a little pony on his own oh hi okay so the pony's not willing to talk but uh, yeah no so you could literally see everything and anything and, and chatting to people here on the ground one man uh, a trader from Dublin has said that he hasn't actually been to Boris for 10 years but he decided to come back because they're finding there's not a whole lot of money in Dublin anymore the, the market up there is quite saturated um, there are a lot of different markets taken place but he feels the money is in Carlo today he feels he's uh, very optimistic he said that he's going to get a lot of trade yeah um, and a lot of people as you say for most people here it's a tradition their fathers came their mothers came their grandparents had come here to, to Burris they're catching up uh, some people have told me with family and friends um, it's maybe the only time of year some of them get together and 
Earth is such a beautiful, beautiful spot. And I think to its advantage, Brian, it's a long street. Anyone who, who's familiar with Burris will know what I mean. You know, the main street is super long. So and, there's um, plenty there's, of space, plenty few, of room. There's a few hills in Boris as well, isn't there, Edwin? And we can nearly hear you uh, trying to talk to me and uh, breathy running up the hills and avoiding yeah. all those ponies. <laughs> that's just <laughs> that's just me being unfit, Brian, you know? Well, just relax. Um, stay, stay where you are. Enjoy I'm the, jogging, jogging down. Enjoy the fun of... Trying to keep up with the horses. <laughs> enjoy the fun of Boris. Um, listen, tell me, I don't know whether you're an expert in this field or not, but I certainly aren't. Um, in terms of the, how the trading of horses actually works at Boris Fair, I've never been to a horse fair. Is it simply people parade the horses around the town and some fella or girl walks up and says, oh, I'd like the, like the look of that. What would you be looking for for that? How much horse trading actually goes on? Oh, well, like I say, most of the conversation, my understanding from previous years, is that most of the conversation happens the night before. Ah, as you usual, know, people the have their eye on a horse, they, they have a look. Get there, yeah. Yeah, so today they're, um, they've congregated there kind of close to the playground area. There's a little grassy spot there and some people are walking horses around. Others are kind of coming up and down the, the street with them. Um, anyone who really wants to look at that side of things is up at uh, that end and they're standing around and you can hear the, the chatter and what people think it's worth and what it mightn't be worth mm. and all of that kind of thing. But I can see our friends here at Brophy's very much open today, which is, is, is great to see. And hopefully we can have a chat with um, the crew in there too in a little while. But yeah, I've just come the whole length of the main street, Brian. Um, <laughs> and in record best, time as well. Have to sit down. Quick one, right? Um, you've, you've got your eye yeah. on a few of the horses that are up there already. Um, <laughs> is there any chance that you'll be getting your backside on any of the horses that are up there? I could, but uh, no, I'd say I wouldn't be let near anywhere near them, right? I'd say if I, anyone with any sense wouldn't, wouldn't let me near them, and nobody needs to see me galloping down the main street trying to get control of reins or anything like that. Locks but the sun flowing. is shining here today, Brian, which is which which is good. I mean, last year it was quite wet when I was here quite early last year, and it was very very wet. Yeah. Um, and I think it did kind of shape out to be a, a better day in the afternoon. But for now, yeah, there's a good steady trickle of people here um, definitely seems to be more stalls as I say some of them telling me that they've come back after a, a long uh, break um, so I think I think yeah. it's all set to be a so, lot bigger and better like I said most people thought it was maybe dwindling and that you know given that the figures were down last year they thought it, they might be down further but certainly that's not what I'm seeing evidence of today and, and I think there's probably quite the crowd expected here so again yeah I know you're, you're getting the advice from the guards and also from the council, um, no driving through the area. There is access, obviously, for residents and that, but uh, diversions very much on yeah. either side Drivers, of uh, Burris. Uh, been yeah. very clearly uh, advised to use alternative routes where possible, and anyone heading for this fair should expect um, some delays. Edwina Grace has made it up there. She's made it all the way up to Hill, brought us all the fun, the sights, the sounds of, <laughs> of the Burris Fair. Um, Edwina, 3,000 people expected there today. Enjoy all that fun, and um, I'll have to go up with you another time. I've never been to a horse fair. It sounds like a really, really oh, interesting place. You, you'd love it and, and like I said the vibe is, is really good a couple of kind of eavesdrops and a couple of arguments on the way down people were saying are you here to trade are you here to chat so there's oh, a few people who really on. love the social side of it and you know they're getting pulled up already um, before the big crowd comes in you're either here now to trade or you're here to chat you know but I think there's a bit of both and pretty much everyone can get involved in, in all of that you know? well Edwina Grace thanks for joining us from Boris Edwina Grace is always there to chat and there you never know maybe something will take her fancy when she's up there uh, the Boris Fair
fare continuing right through the day. As we said, do be careful in the area. Uh, lots of traffic delays expected in and around Boris. It's 16 minutes past 10 o'clock now. Lots more still to come. But, of course, we do enjoy a good piece of music also. It's Blur with Girls and Boys. Blur there to kick off our Tuesday morning with girls and boys and Brian I'd say you had serious FOMO there listening to Edwina there's nothing you'd like better than heading off there and doing a bit of wheeling and dealing at Sphere am I right? <laughs> well I said I'd probably get done over I wouldn't be able to tell a good looking horse from a bad one I'd say you'd know what you're doing all the same I don't think you'd um, you'd be easily fooled by the way there was a lovely picture in the Independent this morning in the farming supplement of four little chappies at Boris Mart and it's absolutely gorgeous they're Michael Farrell Alfie Leach Larney and Tommy Buckley and it's a really cute picture if you're listening and you haven't seen it go and get yourselves a copy of the Indo because you look delightful and actually Brian I wanted to mention something as well we had Clear Summers and Fergus Keane in from Mount Carmel in Callan yesterday and I didn't get around to mentioning something very important which is their draw that's happening on the 25th and 26th of August it's their biggest fundraiser so I would like to give it a mention tickets are available to buy in Londis and Super Value in Callan and actually they're also compiling a database of names and telephone numbers all GDPR compliant obviously at the moment which will allow them to send out messages to keep people informed about what's happening in Mount Carmel so I just wanted to mention that so shortly I will be talking to Noreen Roach nutritionist about what we need to be doing as we're gearing up to get back to school but before that here's a short break KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie Carlo Kilkenny KCLR Welcome back to KCLR Live. You're listening to Una Neville Downing and Brian Redmond this morning. And I hate to mention the dreaded, but schools are getting ready to get back to business, I suppose, at the end of the month. And when that happens, extracurricular sporting activities will, of course, kick off once again. Joining us this morning to talk about how we can fuel our bodies for increased activity is nutritionist to the stars, Noreen Kelly. Noreen, good morning. How are you? Oh, good morning, Una. How are you? I'm not too bad. Now, when I say nutritionist to the stars, I mean the Kilkenny stars of Hurling and Camogie, obviously. You've been a well, nutritionist <laughs> for a long, long time. Was it? Is it going back to 98? Am I right? Yes, that is right. I love when people remind me of that. Yeah. It, does that make you <laughs> yeah, feel... It's been... What's that? It doesn't make you feel older than you are because we know you're you're a young one. Noreen, well, also, of course, I started very young, Una, obviously. You did. But I suppose the reason I mention that is you know a thing or two about what we need to do to our bodies to keep them fit and to keep them, I suppose, able to do what, what we want them to do on the sporting pitch. And I'm thinking particularly about younger people as they get back into their various uh, sporting activities. What would you say are the important things to fuel ourselves with as we head into a busy time? Yeah, so, I mean, there's lots of things, but often it's just focusing on making sure that um, students, kids, or anybody doing activity um, are eating enough in terms of energy foods because, you know, there's a lot of focus on very specific nutrients, um, but one of the things we need always is energy. So coming from foods like, you know, we focus on foods that contain a lot of carbohydrate, which would be the main kind of energy um, food. So things like cereals, 
bread, fruit and vegetables, dairy foods. So we need to have a good, um, I suppose, frequency of those foods in our diets all the time. And a lot of snacking. So we look at very regular meals, you know, so the normal kind of breakfast, uh, lunch, dinner, but then we need to snack in between. And depending on the level of activity or when the activity is, we often will need something before bedtime. That can be a really important snack time because it could be part of the recovery and before we go to sleep. Um, and we also know that sleep is really important. So there's certain foods that, that are now shown to be aiding how we sleep and the length of sleep. So the, the, the kind of phrase is sleep hygiene. So it's the hours and all that. So they, they would be, so energy is really important. And then protein for recovery and muscle growth, etc., is also important. And one of the I suppose biggest um, things now we know about protein is we need to eat protein across the day and try and spread it out in a more, I suppose, regular um, pattern. So traditionally, we will eat, tend to eat large amounts of protein, probably with our lunchtime um, food or our meal. And then in the evening times with dinner tends to be the biggest amount of protein. Whereas now we know for all age groups that we're, we should be looking at trying to spread that out more evenly over the day. So, you know, having some protein with breakfast. Um, so protein foods would be meat, chicken, fish, eggs, um, nuts, seeds, lentils, pulses, etc. But that we should be trying to eat those a little bit more regularly through the day. And that it has been shown to really help with how we um grow and maintain our muscles um, essentially. I think that's a really interesting one because if I'm playing sport, be it camogie or hurling or whatever it might be, I tend to think that the carbs maybe aren't the best thing to be eating. They do give the energy, but it would seem to me that the protein is a better option there because I can still move really well but get the the benefit. So I think that's an interesting one for students. Do you find that we sort of favour protein over carbohydrates in a way that isn't necessarily good. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So, and, and you know, particularly in the last few years, we've seen that. Um, I suppose that switch towards really focusing on protein. So it is important. And I suppose the other thing is, like over a number of years, and even we've mentioned how long I've been involved in dairy sport nutrition and research has you know, has really improved and has shown us and, and told us different things. So obviously the protein bit is really important for recovery, but the actual, um, the energy, um, I suppose, a contribution from carbohydrate and the way our muscles use carbohydrate as a fuel is still really important and that really hasn't changed. So it's just that I think the focus has come off carbohydrate and moved to protein and people forget that actually carbs in particular have a really important role to play so like our muscles all of the movement in our muscles all of the the energy usage in our muscle um, starts with you know obviously a lot of molecular stuff but carbohydrate is the fuel that that actually will support it and I think the other important thing is that we in order for the body to use and our muscles to use protein properly we have to get the carbohydrate and, and energy from fat there's a lot of healthy fat as well that we need to have in our diet um, but if we don't have the energy sort of balance right coming from carbohydrate our body will use the protein we're eating for energy not for recovery or repair okay so protein yeah, so pr- like because protein has the same amount of calories per gram as carbohydrate it's four calories each so if we don't get enough carbs in or energy and your body will use the protein for energy and not for recovery so that that's also a consideration so it's very important to get the balance right um 
and, and I suppose the rule of thumb is for people who are not, and I don't suggest we have to start counting grams of protein or grams of carbs, but uh, it's just to have, have a good balance and a really good, I suppose, place to think about it is the plate of what we're actually eating so if you think about your plate for all meals particularly the the lunch and dinner um but you've got you know say a third of it should be um carbs and a third um should be protein and a third should be fruit and veg and that can change as well during the the year where you might focus more on fruit and veg half the plate um but it's just about getting the balance right and i, I really don't think because I've done that I've actually divided it out exactly a third, a third, a third and it does not look like my typical plate I have to say it is it does tend to be carb heavy going back to the protein for a second yeah. a lot of those shakes and supplements and things like that I think have become extremely popular if you look at sales of them and is that mm-hmm. a good way to get your protein? Uh, so it can be um, we would always recommend that you get um, you, tr- you try and get your nutrients from food first. Um, now, a lot, because a lot of what's in food, you know, the protein foods, we talk about the food matrix. So we fo- you know, you're talking about, okay, you get protein from, um, we'll say chicken or tuna or um, meat or dairy foods or whatever it might be. Um, but as well as protein, there's all sorts of other nutrients and foods that are beneficial. So it's really important to get that good food matrix. Whereas um, a lot of the supplements will, just have protein and they'll have all different types of it could be whey protein etc casein um, so the first thing is that we should try and get it from food and it's possible to get everything we need from food but that depends on um, you know how big an appetite somebody has or how convenient it might be or they might be rushing from one thing to another so protein supplements can be really important to fill that gap um, but I think we should try and get it from food so for example Typically, um, a scoop of protein powder will have between 20 and 25 grams of protein, and that could be very useful to take. Uh, typically, they're used, I suppose, for recovery, so you take it after um, training or exercise. But actually, you can get um, the same amount of protein and certainly very good quality protein from something like a chicken sandwich or a tuna sandwich or um, a high-protein yogurt or protein milk with the banana and um, a sliced toast or a bagel. So there's lots of different options to get protein in from foods. Um, but the protein powders are used a lot, so I, I think... they're probably used in cases where you could get normal food or you could get whatever ordinary food to um, give you the same amount of nutrition but as I said they do play a role and they're really useful when people are um, as I said busy or caught or you know have very high requirements which can happen so if you've got somebody who's training a lot so you have kids going back to school now who'll be trying to cope with you know, doing the your schoolwork, so concentration is really important for that, um, and all of that. And then you've got they might be literally racing home, having some um, a snack, then going out to training, and then they come back in trying to do homework. So it's always very busy. Um, so therefore, planning is really important for that age group. Uh, but we tend to use the protein supplements, or actually recommend the protein or any supplements indeed, um, aren't really suitable for children under sixteen. Okay. So that's the other thing. To think about as well because uh, you can be loading in a lot of extra protein that's not required and so even though kids are very busy 
they just should be thinking about the, the kind of snacks that I mentioned um, as opposed to going for protein um, shakes and things. They tend to be only recommended if they are required for older um, teenagers and uh, obviously adults. Okay, and I guess even from a convenience point of view for a parent, it can be a handy way of ensuring because it's so measurable and it's just a bit easier. But as you say... Well, this is it, yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you very briefly, there's so many things I'm interested in asking you, but time is of the essence. But I, I want to, <laughs> there are two things I want to ask you. Number one, is can you give us like a few of the good fats and secondly I want to ask you about a good post-exercise drink I I know I read an article that you wrote before about milk and I think you mentioned skimmed milk as being a good option so you might talk a little bit about that and the good fats before we let you go Noreen please Yes, sure. So the good fats, and this is a really important point, Una, because again, fats get derailed by a lot of things, but we need healthy fats for for, um, loads of things like hormonal balance, for energy, for providing the really important omega-3 fatty acids that we hear so much about from an anti-inflammatory perspective and brain health and cardiovascular health, um, and a source of fat-soluble vitamins, so vitamins A, D and E, which are incredibly important. So when we look at sources, so oily fish, be very good source of healthy fats. We've got a lot of oils like olive oil, uh, rapeseed oil, etc., avocados, uh, peanut butter, and then we have um, a lot of like flax seeds, etc. So they would be really good sources of um, healthy fats, and we should be including those. Um, so even putting in flax seeds are great. Can throw them into yogurts, can throw them into porridge in the morning. Um, so really easy to incorporate into um, our diets, and that's what we're often looking for. Um, but also oily fish we should be eating twice to three times a week so that would be your salmon sardines mackerel um, tuna etc so also try and even if you're only able to eat them once a week start with that and Is increase avocado it avocado a good so, substitute for that oily fat yes so so avocados will, will contain um, healthy fats and they're a really good substitute so again something to include okay. um, as well so it's trying to just you know incorporate those things so um, that is the, so they're very important and then you the recovery snacks yes really important part of um, training so things like just toast with banana or nut butter um, you could try yogurt drink with a scone uh, low fat um, and we say low fat purely because it means you, you absorb these foods much quickly and much better if they're lower in fat so things like creamed rice so you know the like literally little cartons of rice pudding and fruit um, protein milk which is a low fat high protein milk um, flavoured milk is, is also a really good um, recovery snack bagels with um, either cream cheese or some um, salmon on them would be really good too or your chicken or tuna sandwich so again like really simple doesn't have to be really complicated very important that you eat those within about a half an hour of um, finishing any exercise Okay super well listen loads of food for thought there Noreen thank you so much for all your tips and advice have you recovered from the disappointing end of season um, this year? No. <laughs> okay. Well, we will let you go and we let you listen. I'm sure I'm sure better days are coming and your work with them Hopefully. and the amazing results you've had uh, speak for themselves. So we really appreciate all your advice this morning. Noreen Roach, nutritionist, giving us a little bit of advice about getting healthy snacks and recovery foods into us as we gear up to get back to school. Very shortly, we're going to be chatting to Kel Galvin, Mrs. Shart, Smart Money. That's a hard one to get out. Mrs. Smart Money. And she's coming up with Brian right after this. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie.
Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Welcome back. You're tuned to KCLR Live. You're listening to Una Neepal Downing and Brian Redmond this morning. And don't forget, you've still got time to get your entry in to guess what this heritage site is. 100 euro up for grabs if you can identify this place in Carlo. I'm located just outside Bagnestown and was built in the 14th century. My interior is now bare. What am I? Yes, if you can identify what that heritage site is, text or WhatsApp us now on 083 306 96 A 100 euro all for one voucher up for grabs to uh, two listeners today. But uh, we have to do the first one first. Get those entries in. 100 euros all for one voucher if you can identify that heritage site. And for many of us, and many, many people preparing for back to school, kids going back to school anytime soon. Double-edged sword, of course, because it'll be nice to get them back into the routine and out of the house. But that all brings costs with it. And we're joined on the line now by uh, Cal Galvin, Mrs. Smart Money, to talk all things back to school. Great to have you on the show again, Cal. Oh, it's great to be back. And we are really on countdown to back to school, aren't we? That came around fast. It did. I mean, 15th of August now, many children going back as early as, I think the earliest date I've had uh, was somebody who's going into first year, starting back on the 22nd of August. In fact, this day next week. Uh, good to see, first of all, on a good note, um, so many and so much of those back to school costs being offset by that free book scheme. 11,200 children in Kilkenny and you know, over 7,500 children in Carlow will benefit from that scheme. I presume it's a scheme you welcome. Yeah, look, absolutely. Like, I have a kid who's in primary school now and I have a girl who's just finished primary school going into secondary school. And it, when I heard the that the there was the primary school kind of book fees being paid for, like, it makes a massive difference, not just financially, because these books, they can add up, I think, one or two books. But when you go across all the subjects, it really does add up. And if a parent has two or three or four children and the additions keep, seem to keep changing every couple of years, it can really be a big chunk out of the budget. But even more than that, like I see the with my daughter that's gone to secondary school, she you have to kind of find all her books and source all her books. So there's a huge time element as well. So it's like, yes, there's the financial relief, which is massive, like with the rising cost of living and things are getting more expensive. That's huge. But just making sure you have the right additions, making sure that you have the right book coverings, making sure that you know, everything's labelled up properly. Like that all takes time. And so many households now, you might have two parents working or they're doing different shifts and all of these things you can get back by having that free book scheme. So it's much bigger, I think, than just the financial element alone. Absolutely. And, you know, st- staying with the joys of summer, kids getting into shorts and running around on the field, playing with their friends. They seem to take these massive growth spurts during the summer. We had that shock moment yesterday when my young eight-year-old went out to play in her sandals. And when questioned as to why she was wearing the sandals, she responded, with, but that none of my shoes fit me anymore. They all hurt my feet. Dreaded answer two weeks before they go back to school clothes and everything else well worn over the summer they all need to be refreshed as well see that's one nice benefit of the summer when we do have the weather is you can send them out in their sandals and at least there's a bit of wiggle room but I would say there are plenty of parents looking through all the black shoes now and the black runners to get back into school going look can't wear that can't wear that and that is a big thing with that age group because they, they do fly through shoes whether it's, it's growth spurt or just been out and about and been active and that's another big thing as well which I suppose for some families the kind of the back to school clothing and footwear allowance is really helpful as well so 
I think if anybody hasn't applied for it yet or can look into it definitely because shoes good quality shoes they're not the cheapest things in the world and if you can get even a little bit of a hand with it look into it you'd never know and in terms of you know that sort of circular economy do you think people should be nervous or concerned if they've got something at home that maybe their own child has worn once or twice you know thinking of shoes in particular if they've got a next door neighbour that's maybe a year behind do you think it's time that we just said listen I've got a practically a brand new pair of trainers in there that little Johnny or Mary's never worn would you like them for your little Johnny or Mary is it time to go back to that sort of simplistic way of dealing with things where um, there was more of a sense of community with that type of thing Hands down, yes, Brian. Absolutely. And you know what? Like some people, they might they might be thinking, "Oh, look, I'm on." And not even that they're under pressure of money, but just we see with with climate change, we see with all these different things. Like the circular economy is in, and we all have a vested interest. And sometimes it might be up to you to take the the first step and say, "Look, I have these extra things." And chances are, the other person is going to be secretly or obviously really grateful, not just for, okay, that's a few extra things I don't have to get, but just the financial thing and a couple of extra things ticked off. And most people, they want to help across the board from getting their kids back and the environment and their pocket. So I think if it's in the back of your mind, look, I have these things and you might send them off to a thrift stop store or or if you do have neighbours, particularly if you have neighbours and friends, just say, look, I have these. Are these any good to you? And just throw it out there and you'll know very quickly if they have a use for them or not. So hands down, yes, but it might sometimes need you to take that first step just to kind of break the barrier of the should, shouldn't, because it's really in our Irish psyche <laughs> to kind of go, well, people might people might think, you know, I'm, I'm not that well off if I ask for that. But the practicalities of it far outweigh the the social constructs that we might have around and I, carry with us. I think it's the other thing that people are concerned about. If I offer them, are they going to think that I think they're not well enough off to buy kids' <laughs> shoes for their own? But it happened It happened in our area. We've got a little trading circle now going on between all the, the families, of, you know, because they're like steps of stairs when you see them out playing. You know, there's a seven-year-old and a six-year-old and an eight-year-old and a, it really does make a difference. But apart from that, what other key tips would you have for listeners at this time of year uh, to help deal with those financial pressures? Oh, look, there are so many things you can do. I mean, anybody who's getting the school transport and stuff, they'll know that there's a big help out there. But even little things, like I'm a big fan of when it comes to the stationery and the books and stuff, the copy books and things, like shop at home. And every single year, it never ceases to amaze me how many uh, markers, pens, highlighters, uh, whiteboard markers are knocking around the house. Like if you, so if you just spend a short bit of time just emptying out the presses, dumping everything on the table, tidying things up and saying, look, look, kids, have at that. See what you need. Fill up your pencil cases. And a lot of the stuff, if one sibling had it or one friend had it, you know, it'll be new to them. So it doesn't necessarily have to be new, new. Because stationery can add up as well. We think, oh, look, it's only a pack of pencils. But like a decent set of highlighters could be the best part of 10 euro, depending on the size and the brand and things like that. So a couple of those can really add up. So definitely shop at home first. See what you have. There's often covers and copy books rooting around. And what and definitely if, if you have a circle built up or you're starting a circle, a little WhatsApp group with your friends saying, look, I have a heap of markers here. Uh, no, get, okay, no, now, Kel, don't start getting people involved in more <laughs> WhatsApp groups. You know, you've got people who've maybe got junior info going into school for the first time. And they're going to be all excited at the school gate, dropping the, the little you know, four or five-year-old off, tears at the front door, photographs of the first school uniform. Oh, they've asked me to get involved in a WhatsApp group. Three weeks later, they're going, 
Get me out of here. We don't need any more WhatsApp groups in our life. I hear you. I absolutely do. <laughs> but you don't and agree you with me. Look, this, no, and there, there are too many WhatsApp groups. So definitely mute the ones that are too noisy, but also say, look, this is just for two or three days. This is just for a weekend and then it's closed. Then it's gone. So people can just get their stuff done and then move on again. So it's not one of these per- perennial ones where everybody's giving thumbs ups and all that kind of stuff. It's so, and definitely if you are in a load of groups and particularly when kids are in the sports and activities, you can just mute if you need to just mute the notifications, you know, and, and kind of just take a little step back every now and again with those because the world is busy enough as it is. But if there's a genuine function, I see no harm in them, but time limit. Yeah, because time, limit. time is money. Um, how prepared are you um, for the return to a normal service, as it were, once we get back into September? Are you all set and ready to go? You looking forward to it? Um, am I allowed to say yes? Like, of course I love you can. my kids <laughs> and I love having them around, but I do this, the routine of the day. I, it, it's something I love knowing that look, they're gone off to school. I have the quiet time at my desk and things like that. So, and it's pros and cons. Like, it's always bittersweet when the summer ends, particularly when we didn't have the best summer ever. So, it is a bit bittersweet and it gets great to have them around, but getting back into routine, getting them back with their friends, getting them back into their sports and stuff, like, they love it. And I get a little bit of peace and quiet every now and again. So that's always a little win in my book. Here, Kat, just thinking about this, I mean, you know, slightly off topic maybe, but maybe somebody's had that sort of busy summer um, and their work practices might have changed and they're looking into September, October, November uh, with the kids being back at school. Yes, you know, people, be it mothers or fathers who are staying at home, they're busy. But might this be a good time of year to consider what some people might call a little side hustle or or maybe looking at those hours during the day to see if there's anything they can do um you know, to, to maybe enthuse them into uh, taking on a, a, an extra role if that's what they want to do and help themselves financially. Oh, absolutely. Like, and, and if I say, don't rush into things. Think about what appeals to you and think about what you could reasonably fit in in two or three hours because you don't have to build Rome in a day. You just do it slowly but surely. And you might, like there's sometimes there's kind of morning courses or things if you need to brush up on certain skills or because the, the, we really do need more people working in the economy. So there's probably some jobs somewhere that might, I don't know, if you want to meet more people, just a simple job, you know, in a shop or something, or if you wanted something more skilled or online, like there's so many different options. But absolutely, but keep it, what I would definitely say, keep boundaries around that. You don't want it leaking into your family time. Like it's to get extra money. It's not to take over your life. And also, also, I would say before you even, if you're not sure if you even want to do a hustle, I would look at your budget first. And the reason I say that is, if you look through all your incomes and outgoings, just see other tweaks you can make there that might free up the money you need that you would get otherwise get from a hustle. Yeah. So before taking the hustle route first, because we are so busy and it is full on, and we actually don't take enough time for ourselves, sort out your budget first and find the leaks there. And if that's not enough, then absolutely go see if you can bring more income in. Well, Cal, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I'm looking forward to uh, keeping the tabs with you on social media as to what you'll be doing for those two or three free hours that you have every day. Of course, Cal Galvin, better known on social media as Mrs. Smart Money. Thanks as always for joining us here on KCLR Live. It's a pleasure.
Take care. Um, it's just coming up on nine minutes to 11 o'clock. We haven't yet had our mystery sound played for the day. We'll do that for you in just a moment. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You're very welcome back to KCLR Live with Brian Redmond and Neneve. Well, Downing Una will have a winner for you for the first of our 100 euro all for one vouchers in just a moment. But we've got something else, of course, going on that will tax the brains just a little bit. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit laharts.ie. So, it's worth 100 euros all this week. We're asking you to see if you can tell us what this sound is. If you can identify it, text or WhatsApp us on our Dinner's Ready contact line 083 306 9696. It's very short, not so sweet, but see if you can identify it. Have another little listen. Una, have you got any ideas? You know I don't. It's not a one bit sweet. They make me feel like my brain needs a lot of exercise. <laughs> a lot more than it's getting. Well, I've got a, I've got a few ideas on it, but uh, only because of the fact I know what the answer is. Text or WhatsApp is 083 306 The VW ID Sound celebrating everything electrical at the hearts. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie. And thanks for all your entries for our first little 100 euro giveaway that we gave earlier on. It is going the way of Sue Kelly in Whitewood, who correctly guessed that our heritage site is Bellymoon Castle. And apparently that's a beautiful place to visit. I haven't been, but Ethan was telling me that it's quite wild. So if you like a little walk on the wild side, that would be a good place to maybe go for a little wander before school. We're talking about school all the time. This is not good, is it, Brian? No, I think children children at home, if you're listening, I apologise for the amount of school-based content that we've had so far today. It is only the 15th of August. If I put a positive You've got another nearly two weeks left off to enjoy um, some of those heritage sites that we've been talking about. And of course, we'll have another €100 Euro voucher uh, to give away in the second hour of the show. So do stay tuned. Do indeed. And it's going to be Kilkenny in the next hour. So that's going to be exciting to find out where it is. By the way, Brian, I was so impressed by a lot of things you were saying there. Firstly, your little swapsy thing that you have going yeah. on. I think that's amazing. Yeah, that happened organically. And it was credit to um, one of our neighbours who's got uh, three boys ranging in age from about 17 or 18 down to uh, you know, slightly younger than their son so our son actually sits in the middle if you like of their family um, and of course teenage boys particularly over the summer the feet grow so so quickly um, so that's where all sorts of kicked off and now between the three or four families that are quite close there's absolutely no embarrassment or shame in saying listen I've got these do you want them or you haven't got any of them have you it makes such a difference and I think it improves the sense of community absolutely but it's also as you say I do think that's an important factor that people might feel a little bit embarrassed but you've broken that down because you give and you receive and the shoes are getting nowhere if, if you just take them for one person and they've grown out of them in, in you know a couple of weeks so it's a brilliant idea and I was laughing as well because you mentioned the WhatsApp we were talking about this yesterday <laughs> yeah the and dreaded WhatsApp the eh? dreaded WhatsApp but what you see is so true it is quite annoying when you're all of these different groups and there's a bit of information overload but that said I was saying to you if you cut it off and you go for the old fashioned phone you're going to find yourself Can't a little done. bit out on a limb do you think yeah, so yeah I don't think in, in, in 
you know, the way modern society is operating at the moment, I don't think it can be done. I think there's so much, um, particularly if you're fortunate or unfortunate enough to have, you know, kids in your life where you've got, you know, the Taekwondo WhatsApp group and you've got the dance school WhatsApp group and you've got lots of different WhatsApp groups. It's a key way of keeping informed. And I get it. It works so well from that point of view. Where it becomes a little bit too much for me is when there's another parent in the WhatsApp group and you get the sense that that WhatsApp group is their only social outlet and they're constantly on there wrecking everybody else's head. That's when it's too much. But I think those people are probably doing that across lots of different groups. Do you think it can be done that you can cut yourself off or it can't? I don't think it can. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think you can. I think so many of these groups now use WhatsApp as a way, and it makes sense. It's an easy way to keep everybody informed of what's going on. But maybe you could let us know. Oh eight three three zero six nine six nine six. Are you looking forward to getting back involved in all those WhatsApp groups, or are you dreading the day when you get that message from the, all the after school activities to say, "Yes, we're starting back on such and such a date. We'll post here with all of the information." Yeah, WhatsApp groups, Una, if you can stay away from them, try your best and stay away from them. What have we got coming up in the second hour of this morning show? We have loads of great stuff still to come. Um, between 12 o'clock, Brian, we'll be speaking to Anne-Marie Hallinan, who's going to tell us all about what's happening in St. Canice's for the next, for Arts Week and, and Heritage Week. And we're also going to be hearing from somebody else from Birdwatch Ireland, which I'm loving. This series of birds is just amazing. So that's all coming up. And we're also going to be talking to Roisin Cummins, a member of Dairy Woman Ireland. And I believe you're talking with, uh, you're talking to a fellow Dancing with the Stars star. Yes, John Edward Nolan will be joining us. He's got a studio here in Kilkenny and he'll be telling us all about an open class that he's got, I think, happening tomorrow. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Thanks very much, Ashling. Talking about legendary female TV characters, Irish TV characters uh, in particular. Myself and Una were talking about some of the great ones just before the news there. Texters saying, uh, Dawn French was brilliant, but in Ireland, Pauline McGlynn, um, who was the character from uh, Father Ted, would be one of their favourites. And a texter on uh, the WhatsApp machine, so a WhatsApper. Is that what, can you call people WhatsAppers? But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, they said, now this is going to, you're going to look at me like with spinning eyes. It's going to go, it's going to go totally okay. over your head, right? <laughs> Biddy White Lennon's character, which was Maggie Reardon, was way ahead of her time from the storylines in the Reardons. Can you remember those storylines from the Reardons? I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you would have. I wonder, um, Una, can, can you remember the Reardons? I most certainly cannot, but the name is, is very well known, isn't it? Even... Uh, I'm not surprised you haven't heard of them, Ashley, but I've certainly heard I of them. I haven't heard of them either. Just to clarify. No, I have. I have. I have. I've heard of the Rudens. So the never Rudens, watched it. Well, you see, you go, you made the first mistake. <laughs> it's another thing to watch. It's not, it's, it's not on TV. If oh. I'm correct, now I've got to, you know, Edna's no, looking at it soon. It, it was, was a radio it drama. It I think, and then it went to the TV. Was it on TV? Yes. Oh, it was on oh, TV as well. There you go. Well. You there you go. well, I'm <laughs> delighted that I stand corrected on that point because it just proves that I'm not quite old enough to remember <laughs> the Reardon's either. Ashley, thanks for joining us as always. Um, if you've got other characters that uh, you'd love us to mention on air, great female characters, 083 306 9696. But of course, Heritage Week continues, as we said. We've been giving away prizes all week long and uh, I'm going to continue in this era as well because to celebrate everything heritage we've got one for all vouchers to the value of 100 euros our first clue this morning was a 
Carlo-based clue, but if you can identify this particular heritage site, text us or WhatsApp us on 083-306-9696. Have a little listen. Built between 1594 and 1610 and located on Kilkenny's medieval mile, my three stories are connected by cobbled courtyards. What am I? 083-306-9696 if you think you can identify that site in Kilkenny. €100 Euro up for grabs. Now it is, as we've been saying, Heritage Week and we're joined this morning by Anne-Marie Hallinan, the Visitor Experience and Marketing Manager of St. Canice's Cathedral and Yarek Mekishak. I hope I got that right, Yarek. That's perfect, yeah. Oh, good. Good morning to you both. You're good very morning. welcome to studio. So how is Heritage Week been for you, Anne-Marie? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that it's been busy. It's been busy. Um, it's always busy. It's an always interesting week um, every year. And, you know, I suppose bringing St. Canice's to life and bringing it to the locals and bringing it to the general public that are coming into Kilkenny. But this week, I suppose this year has been interesting that it, it's clashed with the, or the Kilkenny Arts Festival also. So it's making us 10 times busier, I yes, suppose, than yeah, we were yeah. normally. But it's been good. It's um, been great. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the, the cathedral itself and, and maybe a little bit about what what we can enjoy there. But I was talking to John Walsh earlier from breakfast and he was there the other night with um, uh, Philip Selway yes. from Radiohead. Yes. And he's going, I think, twice more. I think he's there with the Irish Chamber. They're there tonight. He's going yep. to that. And, he's going, yep. and he said it's just phenomenal. The atmosphere, the acoustics, everything about it just blew him away. So it's brilliant. It is. And it's, it's such a unique, you know... <laughs> I put a post up on LinkedIn yesterday actually about the whole thing and it's like this is my place of work like it's such an unusual place to be um, and to be able to showcase it to everybody and I suppose a normal day on a Monday you know it's slightly different with the way the church looks than the way it looks this week um, and, and the production that comes in and how the guys from the Arts Festival put that across um, and showcase it's beautiful it's beautiful but huge work goes into that doesn't it to make it, it a working space for the course of the events that are happening over the next week it does week. but they have it down to a fine art like they're 50 years at it this year and there are over 25 plus I think in the cathedral so they have it down to a fine art and the guys are really good they come in they're very professional they're very mindful of the space they're very mindful of the church and and you know we are a visitor attraction but we're also a working church um, as well so there's there's three elements I suppose to keep in mind there um, but they do a great job and, and they're easy to work with so which is great yeah. tell us about what's happening for Heritage Week you've two particular events I think that you're going to tell we us about this morning do and we're kind of in the middle of them at the moment so today is the last day to a point um, I suppose our, our theme this year we, we <coughs> we're coming across I know that the, the Heritage Week is all about talking and talking about stories and telling different stories out there as well but we were lucky earlier this year to get um, funding from the Heritage Council from the Community Heritage Funding to um, develop an audio guide for the cathedral which we haven't had before um, so we're working on that currently and that will be going live in October the end of September the beginning of October so we were mindful of that of what because of the audio because of the, the stories we're telling um, and the histories we're trying to tell that we came up with two that kind of worked in both ways for our younger generation we had story time with our knight um, who our knight at the moment is Sarah who's our education officer but don't tell the kids that Um, (laughs) but she has she goes into full gear full costume she looks all the part so what we're doing is we're telling stories um, about medieval times about the cathedral about Kilkenny uh, and what's what life would have been like and then we're asking our other younger generation I suppose 
what they think it would have been like or how their lives you know, if they were living in medieval times or around the cathedral at the time, what it would be like. And it's, it's just really interesting how I they... I think they come up with fascinating things and they can really probably project themselves there in a way that I know I couldn't. Oh, they can. And they put the modern twist of 2023 night, <laughs> okay. which is just interesting to watch as well. So we're doing that in the morning. So it's, it's on currently. So if anyone can run up the hill fast, it's on at the moment. Um, and Sarah is there our night to show you all of that. So, you know, we wanted to take it from there perspective as well that it's not always the adult scenario of what we're trying to do and then the adult side of it I suppose if you want um, what we're looking at is um, we're calling in memories for memories of the cathedral so what we're asking people a bit like I suppose what the Arts Festival did as well asking people what are their memories of the cathedral you don't have to be I suppose we're trying to open it up to everybody that it's not just parishioners or, you know, you have a connection to the cathedral. Everybody in Kilkenny and visiting visitors have had some connection in some way along the way or remember it from their childhood. Um, I've heard great stories about, you know, their first time that they've climbed the tower um, when it was more accessible seemingly than it is now and um, things like that you know first concert they've attended was it the arts festival was it some production we had at Christmas ourselves what we did um, do they remember we have a nativity stained glass beautiful window in the cathedral do they remember when that was an on post stamp you know did you send your Christmas cards with it um, that type of thing did you get married there the usual stuff all of that kind of thing so we're asking people to come in um, we're going to record them if they don't mind just audio um, and hopefully that we'll be able to pull all of that together and showcase that in the coming weeks oh, that to coincide amazing. as well so you know don't be fearful you're not going to be on camera you're not going to be on anything like that I think people kind of feel intimidated having to tell so Sarah will look after you and she'll take your story down and hopefully we'll be able to put something together and could I if I wasn't inclined to go down to the cathedral and maybe record it could I send it in to you would that be okay yes of so course yeah you know we'll take we'll we'll take it through you can whatsapp it through you can email it through to myself it's manager at st um or give us a call. We're happy okay. to chat to you over the phone. Um, but it's nice to get people's voices yes, if we can yes, at all, yes, yes. because I think that's the authenticity that goes with the story as and well. So looking back on that in years to come would be a fascinating piece of, of history that is just so valuable, isn't it? When yeah. You come back and you, yeah, and you look at it. Exactly. Or you listen to it rather. And like it's there. Look, we have certain dates down for it. But look, we're, we're open at any point in time for somebody to come through to us, um, be it Heritage Week or outside of this okay. week. You know, it's an ongoing project, so. Are you getting lots of visitors coming since since COVID? Have you kind of gone, come back to yourselves? Do you we've think? come back to yeah, we've come back to ourselves. I suppose that's the, look. The cathedral was doing really really well. It was increasing year on year. Um, loads of visitors coming to us. Nineteen was probably one of the best years. Um, two thousand nineteen. Everyone refers back to that and looking back as that's when tourism <laughs> stopped. I yes. suppose. And now as as everybody's rebuilding and the city's rebuilding as well. Um, you know you do compare as much as you can. But yes this year thank god um it's been it's been really good um and been strong and it's you know we're thankful for everybody over the last number of years being our we talk about the domestic market or the irish market coming into us we're thankful for all of those that came through um but our international traveler is back they're coming um and they're visiting the cathedral as well so yes we're we're doing well which is brilliant yeah Super. I'm going to move to Yarek, if I may. Yarek, you're going to talk today about a fascinating bird. I'd like to maybe get you to introduce it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what I've been doing this summer, and I guess I've been doing uh, a lot of research about the common swift over the last uh, four years. That's really been my 
a major focus over the last few years. And I really don't know nothing else that happened in the world because I've been just <laughs> focusing on the Swifts. I don't know who won the Premier League. I don't know how Kilkenny is doing in all, all Ireland. Well, Yorick, I it just... was a good time to dive deep into something as right. fascinating as the Swift because there wasn't a lot of happening actually for a lot of that time. Okay. So you say the Common Swift. The is common that the official Swift. title? That's correct. That's the Common Swift. That's, so that's the only species of Swift that uh, breeds in Ireland. Uh, we have occasionally um, Alpine Swift visiting us but it's most likely accidental. Uh, but common swift is the only species of swift that currently bre breeds in Ireland. And what I've been uh, doing this summer is that I've been surveying County Carlow for uh, the presence of the swifts in, in, in the towns, uh, because swifts, are, they have their own housing crisis, unfortunately. Uh, uh, over the last th few thousands of years, uh, when we cut, our, cut the old trees where they will normally nest in, um, in the crevices, they adopted, they adapted to live in our towns. Um, they and they explore holes in the in the walls, in the castles, in the chimneys. Um, they might build a nest underneath the tiles of our roofs. Um, but as we are progressing into building our houses more efficiently, um, not even a blue bottle can get in. Never mind the swift. So they have housing crisis of their own. So we're trying to identify as many nests as possible, and we have solutions as well to help them. And how are you doing that? So um, my day really involves um, um, a lot of planning and a lot of walking. So if I get to a new town, uh, I, well, first thing I do is I look at the sky and I look at the flying swifts and then I uh, basically follow them. And then um, if I see that the swifts are flying close to a building, um, all I have to do is really stand there and watch and observe with a lot of attention because swifts are very, very fast. I was going to say you'd want to be very alert because the name very. would suggest that they move very quickly. Absolutely. I was telling you in the break that I had been to a beautiful talk in, mm -hmm. at the Boris uh, Festival this year where an author whose name escapes me just now was reading from a book she had mm -hmm. written about the Swift and maybe you'd share with our listeners a little bit about how fascinating they are because I don't think most people would know how far they can travel, yeah. how they do it. Absolutely. So um, the more you learn about the Swift, the more fascinating they are. And unfortunately, their PR department hasn't been great, perhaps lately, because, for example, barn owls or owls had, you know, a lot of promotion with the Harry Potter books. Uh, maybe the um, the um, the Corvids, they had got a lot of the Ravens, got a lot of promotion with the with the um, Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones, um, right? So the PR department of the Swift had been kind of lacking. So people really don't know about the Swift that much. But if I have a talk, let's say in a school. Uh, especially the young ones, they really like the facts, like the most striking facts. So, for example, um, they're one of the fastest birds. They're, if they're not the fastest, they're definitely in the top 10. So they can reach the speed of over 100 kilometers an hour um, up, up, up in the air and the direct flight. Um, they can catch over a thousand insects in one meal and up to 10,000 things, perhaps even more uh, a day. So if, you're, uh, if you have problems with midges in your town, for example, um, you might want to think about uh, putting some swift boxes. It might it might solve your uh, it might solve your problems, and also they're completely adapted to the flight. Uh, it's it's about their shape. It's about their behavior. Um, so, for example, uh, when the chicks leave the nest, they may fly for three years without landing. Uh, so they will migrate to Africa. They'll come back and they keep flying up until they may be three years old, until they're ready to breed, they, they will 
try to find the nest and that'll be the first time that they will actually land. So so an incredible adaptation. It's unbelievable. So mm. they obviously sleep whilst they're on autopilot. That's correct. So there's been some research about that as well. And uh, what uh, what was found is that uh, they can switch half of their brain while the other half of the brain is alert. So that's another incredible adaptation. Adaptive, ad- adaptability. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like yeah. I can't even get my head around that, to be quite honest. But I just think it's a bird that perhaps, as you say, doesn't get the attention it deserves. Exactly. Because it's it's amazing. Exactly. Uh, they are very good at concealing themselves. First of all, they're very fast. So so we might see them, but we don't always hear them. Uh, they get often um, mistaken for other birds, which is uh, our barn swallows or house martins. So I might get um, I might get information from someone that they see a swift flying above a church and I get there and there might be 20 house martin nests okay. there. So they're very, very uh, easy to mistake and someone really needs to um, point them out to you almost um, to really, really be able to uh, to point them out really correctly because they often mistaken. I think even I'm okay at I'd find them in an image that's in front of me on a piece Mm -hmm. of paper but in the sky I find it quite difficult to differentiate between the different birds especially ones that we wouldn't be so familiar with it's not so easy so it isn't. That's correct so one of the things that it's uh, perhaps the best tip if I could give you if you see the nest of the common swift sorry if you see the nest you think it's a common swift it's most likely not it's most likely uh, the house martin or the barn uh, or the bar- or the barn swallow because they built the nest outside of the buildings or barn swallow inside but in the nest cup that is clearly visible to us okay so the swift actually you will never see the the nest um because they would really go into a gap somewhere and they will hide from us so that's again speaking to their brain isn't it that they know they have to protect their themselves and their their young but they don't hang out there that much either by the sounds of things because they seem to be airborne a, a lot exactly so um what uh, we've proved with uh, some of the research that we did we really mapped the breeding calendar of the common swift in ireland so we know that the earliest arrival are usually uh, around late of a- late april and the last ones the last swifts will leave early September. So they're here with us for the summer. Okay. And Marie, would you be able to spot any swifts hanging up around Canis, St. Canis' Cathedral? Well, I will now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a big lesson on it, but I'll have a look out for them, yeah. You'll go and have a route. Well, that would be a good spot, wouldn't it? Because it's nice and high and they could get in nice... And, and protect themselves, get cosy up there, couldn't they? Mm. Which would be great. Well, listen, I think that's just fascinating. I am so enjoying the little series on the birds and hearing all the fabulous things that are happening around um, Heritage Week. So Anne-Marie Hallinan of St. Canis's and Yarek uh, Mekwishak. I actually never asked you where you were from originally. I'm Polish, yeah. Okay. But I, um, I've been in Ireland all my adult life, so it's been almost 20 years. Well, we're thrilled you're here, bringing thank us you. all the information about the Swift. Uh, thank you both so much for coming into the studio this thank morning. We're going to take a short break. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You welcome back to KCLR Live. Twenty-two minutes past eleven o'clock. We had we had some interesting guesses in on our mystery sound so far this morning, Una. Uh, people saying, "Is it a basketball going into the net and down?" asks Helen and Carlo. Uh, we've had another guess. Is the mystery sound something opening or closing a drawer? And uh, John. Callum, sorry, Jackson, not John. Callum Jackson Clark in Hackettstown wants to know, is it the sound of opening and closing a rubbish bin? 
still not got any clues, any insight yourself? But see how different all those guesses are. Absolutely. How are we supposed to know, Brian? Well, it's too I, hard. You see, I'm in the very luxurious position of having been <laughs> told as to what it is. And, and the point on uh, the 10 best female characters of all time on Irish TV that you were talking to, uh, Adrian has been on. See what you think of his suggestions. Assumpta from Bally Kiss Angel was a good character, but Neve from the same show was just brilliant in her role. Apparently, she also played Sharon in The Snapper. I, I did not like that show and I did not like that movie. Well, so there you go. Oh, you didn't like The Snapper? No. Oh. And uh, do you know what? I watched it recently. Talk about ageing badly. Has it? Oh. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Go back in time and watch it and let me know. I'll have to check it out. Well, you can keep those guesses and comments coming in. What's your favourite Irish female TV movie character? Take movies as well. Character of all time. Yesterday, we heard from uh, the Orlingford Master Plan, for which there's an in person public consultation event this evening between 5 and 8 pm in the library. But. For most of us more interested in Tomelm, then you might prefer to swing by the area's community centre from 7.30 this evening. There, you can give your views on the potential uh, for Kilkenny County Council to acquire and plan for the development of the former Supervalue property um, at Marshes Street with the adjoining car park. It's proposed that this will become a community hub and or possibly a green space. A second gathering this time of stakeholders will take place on Thursday evening to discuss it further. But to follow on from last week's Smart Village Gather organised by Leader, that information and training workshop on the future of the town focused on mobility, connectivity, inclusion and the circular economy. Eridrina Grace was there to find out what the residents and visitors would like to see in Thomastown. There's plans of a new library and all sorts of things, infrastructure, fantastic. Personally, I'd like to see an art gallery set up that we could have all the time. But we do have one in the water garden, uh, but uh, more in town here with the men's shed. They're, they're great fun, the fellows there, and they give great help to us. Because I run the biodiversity garden, of course, up on the other end of town, uh, up from the, uh, the key car park. And the men's shed have been great help to us, you know, and things we want to get done and that sort of thing. And we had a big composting course there recently and it all went very well. No, uh, this whole town needs to gel together and get things done and things. And take more part, like flowers and things and make the place nice. So it is, it's looking good. What would you like to see happen with the Super Value site? Well, that's it. Just that could be integrated. Already, you see, they during Arts Week they have all this exhibition going on. But I'd like to have a, a proper setup there, a sort of an exhibition, and maybe even have a curator come in once in a while or something like that. And of course, completely uh, have the men's shed. With, do you know that they have a shed within the shed? It's it's so funny. You go in and there's a shed within the shed, like the men's shed, which is rather funny. And they, you know, they bring in stuff and they're selling things and it's great. And here we have seniors have uh, sales of works or like a charity thing every Thursday and Friday. And then our little library here is of great help. People have flower arranging upstairs and things like that. One of the things that did come up, I was at a meeting for the town team last night, youth have to be addressed. Now, we have the Scouts Den, we have the GAA, but actually, do you know... People need a sort of clubhouse to hang out in. Kids need a place to hang out and meet their friends, you know, go on the internet or whatever. You know, I just feel that's a need in the town. We're here at the uh, community hall in Thomastown and you're at the Smart Villages event. How are you finding it? Very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very interesting, you know. Speakers were very good, you know, and the topics spoke about as well, you know. Was there anything in particular that uh, stood out for you? Well, the caring and sharing, I thought, was very good, you know, that part, you know. The last speaker there, John Lonergan, I thought, you know, 
but very good, you know, especially that that part, you know. Yeah. That was to me that's what stood out, yeah. you know. You live in Thomastown. Do, yeah. What what would you like to see happen um going forward for the area? I'd like to see an awful lot for the youth, for the young people. There's nothing here in Thomastown for the young people, you know. There's very little employment as well, you know. And there's nothing really done like I mean for the young people, you know. And it's been like that for a long time, you know. So I would like to see something like that, something like that done, you know. As soon as um, Tuesday night there's also a public consult right, yeah. um, uh, ha- have you any suggestions or will you be going to that or take oh, I'll be going to it yeah I'll be going to it yeah. but I haven't thought about it yet like, but I will between now and then you know yeah. and just go and see just see what happens you know and just listen to all the opinions what do you what, what do you think you might like to see for the super value site? Well, I mean, it'd be nice if it was shared among a few different groups because it's a big it's a big area, you know. So it'd be nice, you know. What I mean, for the co-share with it, with a few groups, you know. Get a few in. Absolutely, you know, that the space was used. You're here at the Thomastown Community Centre at the Smart Villages event. How are you finding it? Well, it's very interesting. The three speakers have been so good. Um, yeah, the, the mobility one, the communications one, and then the, the psychological one really was very interesting. How, how terribly sad it is that what happens to you when you're a kid really affects you for the rest of your life. So we really must be very mindful of our children. And then John Lonergan, of course, is a wonderful speaker, always, always um, uplifting. And um, it's just, he's absolutely right. Things won't happen unless we all do something. And what are you hoping will be done here in Thomastown? Well, I'm, I'm involved with um, the Thomastown community allotments and I hope to see that going from strength to strength. We've just got a grant for a new tunnel, so we're very pleased about that. So we're looking for new members because now we have more space uh, that we, we, can, we can open up again. We were, we were closed for a while because we were full and now we're not full anymore, which is brilliant. So um, we're delighted to have new members. And um, that's, one, that's one thing that I'm involved in in, in Thomastown. But Thomastown's very, very active and vibrant um, and very good. And it's interesting you, you mentioned the allotments because John Larnigan was speaking to how the first thing any area needs to do is have people knowing each other. And something like the allotments, while well, you can do stuff by yourself, but there's also a lovely social element to that too. You know, it's hugely part of it. I, I started off being interested in the allotments because I felt the very best thing you can do for yourself and the planet is to grow vegetables. There's actually nothing better, especially if you can walk to where you grow your vegetables. It's brilliant. There's, there's no downside to it. But what I've come to realise over the three years that we've been in operation, the huge mix of people that we have and the huge benefit we all get out of meeting each other casually, um, you know, because some people go on some days, some people go on different days, and then we have events, picnics and things like that where we all get together. And it's hugely sociable, it's hugely uplifting, and it's, it's just a wonderful thing. And you can get to grow your vegetables as well. There's another uh, public consultation event on Tuesday evening for Thomastown, um, just asking what people might like for the future of maybe uh, somewhere like the Super Value building, the Super Value site. Yeah. What would you like to see happen? Oh, the super value site I haven't given any thought to that at all is that where the men's shed is now well I think the men's shed is brilliant I think men's shed the whole the whole um, system of men's sheds is a really really good thing um, so I haven't actually thought about that I don't actually live in Thomaston um, but they are so vibrant and active I, they will definitely think of something looking at the future of Thomaston or the potential of Thomaston what would you like to see happen more houses <laughs> to fit people. I don't know where we're going to fit all the people that are moving to Thomastown because anyone comes to Thomastown like it and a lot of people stay. But we're running out of room. So we need a few more houses around where I don't know. Anything else you'd like to say? 
more shops. More yeah, shops. it's a pity to see Market Street gone, you know, with shops closed. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see them back open, something mm-hmm. in them, mm-hmm. so that the town is not so, yeah. you know, only for the butchers and parties shops, sure. And same. And oh, we better not forget same. Mm-hmm. And same. And the two restaurants. Yeah. yeah. But we could do it a few more. Yeah. Of what? I'm not sure. You'd like to see it. How about yourself? What would you like to see? No, that? I would like Mary. No, I would love yeah. to see the market is open up again. Oh, we to have get clay Yeah. And oh, we yeah, have yeah. the truffle fairy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. And do you have a, a an, an African French uh, restaurant oh, and everything yeah, as well? Yeah. 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 And we have the country market on a Saturday mm-hmm. and we have a French lady baking for us all <laughs> and we have a Syrian lady baking for us and it's all different. You know, something, it's variety. There's a public consultation event looking at uh, what might be done with the former SuperValue site. What, what would you like to see there? Rather than have a, I know the men's shed are there, but wouldn't it be nice for it to be occupied, even a craft centre, an yeah. art, you know, yeah. displaying like it is now? Mm. It would be lovely to draw people in, mm. especially during the summertime. Yeah, yeah. Summer, yeah. yeah. summer, yeah. Tours around, yeah. A cup of coffee. What more would you want? Um, would you like to see anything else there? No, no, that, as Mary said, yeah, the arts will be grand, the arts there, so there's a crowd. It's very interesting, yeah. Anything to get people in? Anything, anything to get yeah. people in, is that yeah. yes, yeah. Edwina Grace there finding out what the residents and visitors would like to see in Thomastown. Coming up after the break, we're going to have John Edward Nolan. Brian is getting excited here because he'll be talking about dance. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You ready? Welcome back to KCL Live with Brian Redmond and Una Newell Downing. It's 11.34 and old money. That means it's uh, 26 minutes to 12 o'clock. All this week long, we're celebrating everything heritage. We're giving you the opportunity to win prizes. We've already given away one 100 euro voucher um, in this show. What you've got to do is we're going to play you a clue in a moment. If you can identify the heritage site that we're talking about, text us or WhatsApp us on 083 306 9696 and if you have the correct answer you might be in with a chance of picking up some money before the end of the show. I'm a series of underground limestone chambers formed over millions of years containing some of the most impressive calcite formations found in any Irish underground structure. What am I? Oh eight three three zero six nine six nine six is our dinners ready text and WhatsApp number. Get those entries in to us now. Um, it's always a, a very important time of year. People considering what are they going to do for the winter with all those dark and heavy evenings as summer walks no longer happen. Well. I can tell you, one of the best things that you could possibly consider doing is learning to dance. And if you're in Kilkenny, if you're from Kilkenny, or need anywhere nearby, who's the best person to teach you? Well, John Edward Nolan, of course. Thanks for joining us as always, John. John, and welcome along. Uh, Delighted to have you. How are you keeping? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Adults enjoying learning dance. Um, It's a great skill to have, isn't it? It really is, and I, I, I love the way you said the summer walks. I don't think many summer walks have happened this year. So, <laughs> well, they did, but people just got wet doing them. <laughs> yeah, just got wet doing them. So, yeah, kind of the, the winter months are it's just going to be longer this year. So, even more of a reason to get dancing. Um, yeah, I mean, dance is probably one of the most uh, fun things you can do. It's probably one of the most social things you can do. It'll keep you fun, fit, healthy, 
it ticks all the boxes. Mm. Uh, it's a great way to meet people. It's a great way to have fun. It's a great way just to get up and get moving. Like it's even I'm living some 30 years now and it just keeps the body young. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd probably disagree with that, to be quite honest with you, because I'm dancing a little, just a little bit longer than you, and I'm actually starting yeah. to feel the aches and pains of it, but we're not talking about yeah. trying to do stuff professionally. Um, the other thing that people always say is, people always say, going to adult dance classes is a great way to meet people. I would also suggest 100%. that it's a great way that if you are already with somebody, be it married or just living together, it's a great way to have an argument that can be refereed by somebody else. It's, you won't really get to know uh, somebody until you've learned to dance with them. Absolutely, because, I mean, it's one thing we married to a person who's been able to dance and not step on each other's toes. And, oh, that was your fault. You go forward, you go back. <laughs> I mean, I, you're, you are a glorified referee slash marriage counsellor <laughs> in the middle of, of a dance class. But it's great. Honestly, it's a great activity for anybody to be on your own. No partners are required. I mean, most classes come uh, a lot of single people, male, female, and everything in between. The uh, are a lot of couples like that come to. I teach a couple in Dublin, and they were retired, and they just wanted something new for them to learn and have a new activity together to enjoy. So, yeah, all backgrounds, all activities. Um, it's a great thing to do. And if you are somebody who's looking for something to do during the winter, or as you said, if you are a couple that's looking to engage in fairly reasonably priced marriage guidance, as well as you know picking up the, the, a few dance steps yeah. along the way, <laughs> um, when and where can they come and uh, meet up with you and get involved? So tomorrow night, Wednesday the 16th of August, I am doing an open adults class, free charge for everybody to come along to see what we're about, to see what a dance class is about, to get to meet us get to meet myself I have uh, our Venus from Dance with the Stars coming to join me tomorrow night plus another male teacher so loads of meant for the ladies to come and dance along with it's going to be loads of fun mix of salsa a bit of Latin a bit of ballroom a bit of jive and a bit of everything just to get a feel for what an adult dance class is all about um, half seven to half eight up in 27 industrial um, Industrial Park there up in our new studio so would love to see as many people come along it's free of charge bring your friends bring your auntie bring your granny bring your mommy your daddies whoever bring them all along and of course if people are actually looking to find it I, I presume correct me if I'm wrong that it's exquisite dance studios in, in Hebron Business Park that's the actual location that that's exactly it yeah. Exactly. Uh, you'll find all of our location and our details on our social media, um, Exquisite Dance Club on Facebook and Exquisite Dance on Instagram. So all our details there, the postcodes, the timing, the full timetables are all up there as well. So as you said, you'll be there t to run the show, to, to be the master of ceremonies, to be the personality that you are. And you've got a Venus and a couple of other male dancers doing all the hard work. Oh, I'll be grafting as well, don't worry. I'll be, I'll be there to dance and have loads of fun with everybody to come indoor. I'd love to see as many people to come along, see the studio. I'm delighted to have brand, the brand new studio in Kilkenny now uh, to have a new home of dance for all the people in Kilkenny, young and old. We do our kids' classes also. But tomorrow night, our focus is going to be on the adults coming to have some fun and like that, get something lined up for the winter for themselves. And how have you found uh, the reception being from people in Kilkenny now that you've opened the studio? I think it's probably only maybe six, eight months ago, maybe close to a year now at this stage, but certainly it's only been within the last 12 months. Uh, things going well up in Hebron? 
Yeah, it's only been literally six months at even, actually. So, I mean, some people are still like, oh, I didn't realize the studio were there. So it's been great. The response has been brilliant. The support has been brilliant. And so, yeah, I would just love to see more and more people there getting along and having some fun. I mean, the winter months are as treacherous as anything that those dark evenings can be as, you know, as sad and gloomy. So I like to bring a bit of sparkle and a bit of fun into those dark evenings out coming into the winter. Yeah, absolutely. So 7.30 to 8.30, John Edward Nolan, a few of the guys along with him, um, an hours class. Just give people a sense as, you know, because I think the biggest thing that people fear is that first moment, that walking into the dance studio. Because no doubt about it, I've experienced it so many times. It's always the ones who are probably most fearful, most nervous walking in, that within 15 or 20 minutes, they're really in the flow of it, the personalities come out. But what's the one bit of advice that you would give to people to get them through the door in the first place? Yeah, I... Don't be afraid to walk in that door, as I say. The first, the hardest part is actually walk in that door and have the uh, have the courage to come and take the class. Because once you're there, you're going to have so much fun. Honestly, you'll let loose. You'll see everybody's in the same situation. More, nearly everybody's feeling the same. So you always say, oh, God, I'm the only one that's service here. I've never danced before. It doesn't matter if you have three left feet, five left feet. It doesn't matter. Just come, have some fun, and it's our job to teach you how to dance just and going John, through that door is the hardest part tomorrow night is the taster class for people to come in and join and start off uh, I presume you're hoping to run a weekly class from there um, is, is that going to also be on a Wednesday evening or have you got the schedule laid out yet so yeah so going from September it'll be a Monday evening our adults class so we're just doing a free taster tomorrow night for people to see what it's about then from September we'll have it on our Monday evenings from half seven to half eight for our adults and then I'm hoping to have another adults dance fit during the week as well so that's to be confirmed alright excellent John Edward Nolan as always a pleasure talking to you have a great evening and do pop along uh, to Hebron Business Park Exquisite Dance Studios is what you're looking for and you'll find John and all the team there I think I might just pop along there you sparked a great memory there Ron when you're talking about dancing because I had neighbours when I was growing up and they were always fighting like they were like the couple from Father Ted they were killing each other but if you ever went to a wedding or an event (laughs) they danced incredibly well like they knew each other so well which is probably why they wound each other off but they danced dreamily together yeah as John said uh, dance lessons and marriage guidance all in the (laughs) one go all wrapped up into one okay so this week uh, the Dairy Women Ireland movement are holding an event called Changing Behaviours with animal health psychologist Alison Burl which sounds absolutely fascinating and I'm joined by Roisin Cummins who's a member of Dairy Women Ireland to tell us a little bit more about it good morning Roisin Good morning, how are you? I'm not too bad. This the, the, the title of this event really intrigues me. Tell us what it's about. Um, yeah, so, so Daily Room in Ireland, it was established really in the last kind of two years um, and we're doing kind of regional events and I'm actually hosting it at my, our home farm on a Friday. Um, and yeah, so we do, we have psychologist uh, animal, or Alison Burrell, so she kind of, she focuses on animal health. So she'll be speaking on that. I suppose the mission of Dairy Women Ireland is to connect and empower women um, in the dairy industry, and that's true, I suppose, education and a support network. So what the idea of the event is kind of, it brings the two of them together. So we always kind of have an educational piece, and then there's obviously a range of women from a dairy background, and we're all there, and it's real kind of a networking event, and I suppose you kind of get to meet people, and it's a support as well. Like a lot of people might share their experiences or opinions, and it kind of creates a really good network within the dairy women industry and then obviously you go away with with good information and Alison is um she's been kind of running our regional events in the last couple of weeks 
So yeah, it's a really, really good day, and it's great. It's a great topic as well. Um, you know, it gets a lot of interest, and she can cover a lot of areas of animal health that you know that might arise. A lot of women as well. I suppose we, it just as it happens, it's, it's probably a natural draw, but a lot of women would deal with um, raising calves and stuff like that. So we find it it was a good topic and, and one that a lot of people had interest in. So that was the idea behind it. Okay, I suppose to go back a little bit, this group, Dairy Women Ireland, was set up in 2002. And I mean, as as somebody on the outside looking in a little bit, what that... 2022. 2022. 2022. We're not that old. What did I say? 2002, okay. 2002, yeah. No, 2022, (laughs) correct. But the fact that it was set up would suggest to me that women that are involved in dairy didn't feel represented by the traditional groups. Is that a fair assessment or not? Yeah, like, unfortunately, it is, you know, um, I, I suppose we're not, you know, it's not to say that uh, that that's our, our main drive, but that, that's the reality of this, I suppose. Like, if you were to look at any of the any of the bigger organisations, like um, Tier Lawn, for example, or you could look at Lakeland, once you start looking at the, the women that are involved, or even if you go to the board of Tier Lawn, there is no women on the board. Um, and, and, that's, and that's something that everyone's looking at, it's not just women in dairy it's not the men in dairy it, it, to be honest it's, it's the people it's the customers like that's a, it's a big issue throughout so um, and the reality is women are heavily involved but by nature they kind of shy away from it and they don't take any credit for what they do but if you if you were to examine any any farm throughout Ireland you could be you know I could honestly say that the women are the backbone of it or they, the men you know would go out and obviously take take a lot of the credit not that they would you just assume they're doing most of the work, but the, the reality is there's a huge force of women behind them. Um, so it's just to give each other the empowerment to say, look, you're, you know, you're involved and you're doing it and, and give yourself the credit. And there is a, a support system there. And, you know, women should be stepping into it and educating themselves in areas that they do want to do it because it's a massive career. It's a massive business throughout Ireland. And okay. it's just starting to give us the recognition that it needs and give the women the recognition that they need. Which is amazing and that in itself is an incentive to get involved and stay involved, isn't it? I'm wondering Roisin, how did the IFA or the ICMSA, how did they respond to the establishment of the group? Yeah, look, it's all, it's all been massively um, positive and, and like, look, I went on farm full-time back in, in January and that that for me was a, is a big step, a big career, a career change as we put it because I think for women it's an identity crisis but I like first hand experience what I'll say is it's been hugely met with you know nothing but positivity and I think they want to see it like the IFA do want to see it anyone I spoke to um, within Glambia they want to see it they're trying to make the movement happen and unfortunately it hasn't been gradual it's a case of you know it, we realise the shock of the lack of women in roles that we're trying to push it on and that, that's taken a little bit of time but you know people have power and I think the meetings are they're really empowering to be honest with you if you go to them or any of the women I met it's just it's a fantastic group to be part of and the encouragement that you get from one another it just you leave that room wherever you go just feeling very supported and it's a, it's a really good network um, and I do think it's going to take off and like it's only set up since 2022 when we had one conference back last year and these are all regional meetings and, and the feedback so far has just been has been really, really good, good. And yeah it, it's been positive throughout but there's there's definitely huge change needed going forward and, and I suppose that, that needs to be recognised from everyone but my own experience from it has been you know usually positive um, you know and especially even from the likes of the IFA look it is a little bit traditional and, and we definitely need change but I think it's not going to happen overnight and it will take time absolutely Okay I was looking at some figures last night Roisin and what I think 
Now, perhaps I'm wrong. I, I, I could be misinterpreting this, but it looked to me like we lag behind in terms of female farm owners or females that are involved in partnerships. If you look to our, our European neighbours and I wondered, firstly, did I interpret that correctly? And secondly, why do you think that's the case? Yeah, no, you did. Absolutely, you did. You interpret that correctly. And, and what I'll say, like the reality is, if you were to look at most farms, every woman is on, on you know, on a loan. But she's not uh, named on the farm, and that's again. I think we need to change the language around that. Like you know, most women step up; they'll go on the business loan. But they're when you look further, they're not partners on the farm. Um, but yes, if you look, if we were to look at Europe or, or look at New Zealand, it's done differently. It's done, I suppose, a lot more equally as well. Um, but look, that that's something that needs to change, and that's that's something that needs to change within on. Like for me to get shares on our farm is not exactly straightforward and that's the reality of it and that comes down to an administration you know they don't make it easy for you to to get shares um so yes i think that needs to be looked at already these are all things i've 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 gone about myself and addressed them or i've emailed certain people about them um they're just that they don't make it easy on you and i do Mm -hmm. think it's it's very easy for an establishment to say they want more women involved but the, the reality of getting inside the door there's a lot more red tape so there's certain things that, especially with Dairy Women Ireland, we look at, we support each other, we address it. And it comes down to just having to say, look, that, that system's not working and it needs to change. And the more, I suppose, the more you push at the door, the door will eventually get open. Um, but I think for me, I think women in Ireland, they don't see dairy. It's kind of like they, they kind of give you a second look to say, that really isn't a career path for women. And that's starting to change when, you know, I think we, we had actually a placement, we had a a student on Erasmus from Austria staying with us for the last 10 weeks and she's um, from a dairy farm uh, she's on a boarding school and it was just so refreshing to see her come in and have such an interest in it and that comes down to education from the minute she went to her school when she was 12 they were taught everything about dairy on that farm they made you know butter from scratch they had a nutrition course on it you know they get to see the business of dairy they know how it runs and she was here with us for 10 weeks and she was absolutely fabulous and she couldn't believe that, you know, anyone else her age didn't have. That's interesting, know, the, isn't the it? Interest. Yes. Yes. And, I, and that definitely, that definitely comes down to education and that's something we need to look at is educating it and even marketing it better. Like it's not seen as an attractive role, but it's, it's a fantastic job, a fantastic industry to work in, to be outside. And it's, and it's our biggest industry, which is the reality. It's our biggest export. It is. Give us a one-line, I suppose, sales pitch for farming as a life for anybody, regardless of gender. Give us a one-line, Roshan, if you can, as to what the benefits of such a life is, or are rather. It's flexible, absolutely flexible. I, I you know, I'm a mom of three, and I like we farm down in Innistig. You know, we have a dairy farm. We have three small boys, and I've never ever had a role that's as flexible. And that like it means I can go to I can go get three hours work done in the morning, and I still get to be with my kids and drop them and be there with them. And I've never had that, and that's something that it's not pitched us. And and even when I meet my friends that have done the same, a lot of us have gone on farm. And like we didn't grow up thinking we want to be dairy farmers. You know, I suppose a lot of us marry dairy farmers and and we work together and we became partners in business. But it is flexible, it's, which is great. It's allowed me to have a balance in life when it comes to the kids and it comes to family life and then you know still have a career still have something you still have a drive and that's what you want and to work together with my husband that's fantastic we, you know we can have a business together 
and put goals in place and work towards them. But at the same time, we have the flexibility to be there with the family and work around it. And that is a massive thing. I just wanted to ask you as well, we spoke, well, Brian Rather spoke last week to our first ever female candidate for vice presidency of the IFA. Am I right in assuming that Dairy Women Ireland will be throwing their weight behind her or, or maybe not? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, look, it, 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 we're, we're, we're completely supported to see any woman put themselves in. And, like, to do it for the first time, you know, she, she's paving the path. You know, that hasn't been done before. Um, and I think support for that, you know, she needs all the backing that she gets. And she would absolutely get support from, from Dairy Women Ireland. And I think to see any woman to do it, it's, it's not easy. You know, like, like you said it yourself, you look at Europe, you look at New Zealand, women aren't you know we, we aren't the, the face of dairy here it's, it's very much so a male dominant industry and that can be intimidating but it's just it's just like taking that away and and making them realize you know this this is there and i think as well like for a couple to farm together is just you know it's a fantastic thing to do it in partnership and work together or even for someone to do it as an individual it's a fantastic career but i just really want to see women kind of put themselves out there and take the credit because yes. they're doing it anyway you know what i mean they're already doing it it's just allowing themselves to step up and say this is what i'm doing i'm going to give myself the credit for it okay well it sounds amazing roisin cummins remind us again what the talk is and where and when it's happening if you don't mind yeah so it's actually at my home farm our, our home farm in Inishik, and it's with um it's from 11 to 1 on Friday and so I'm just inviting anyone that's in the local area if they're more than welcome to come it's a really really fantastic you don't have to be a member of Dairy Women Ireland to attend it um, but yet, and you can of course you can sign up on the day or you can sign up yourself whenever you feel like it and membership is only 50 euro for the year and that that gets you all the I suppose access to the meetings that go on and we have a conference that happens once a year as well um, and then we do heavily support people where it's they want to take it on further if they want to get more education in dairy or in farming or anything like that that sounds but super look, I'd love to, yeah and how can they find your farm because Roisin Cummins in Ishtig might not get them yeah. there no it won't if you go on to the Dairy Women Ireland Instagram page there's a poster with the address and the air code um, they, they can have a look at that I, I might send it on to yourselves and you might post Perfect. it but we will we'll put it up the, yeah Dairy Women Ireland, they're on Twitter and Instagram and they'll have the poster up all week ok super Roisin Cummins of Dairy Women Ireland best of luck with the with the talk and thanks a million for coming on to tell us about it this morning we're going to take a short break after which we'll be announcing the winner of our 100 euro voucher this morning KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Arlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style see fairgreen.ie Carlo Kilkenny KCLR Yes it's uh, 5 to 12 this Tuesday morning the 15th of August on KCLR Live Brian Redmond and Una Newell Downing with you We're going to give you one last listen to the mystery sounds You won't get a chance to text us but maybe it'll sort of percolate overnight and you might be able to give us the correct answer tomorrow The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny Visit lahearts.ie here it is. If you can identify this sound, text me or WhatsApp me tomorrow. And myself and Una will go through them. 083 306 9696. It's worth uh, 100 euros this week. That's it. I'm not going to give you a second play. Una still has no idea what it is. Uh, but a few people have had good guesses. Jim Lyons in the Green Road and Carlo wants to know, is it a glove box opening or closing? Um, also, Shirley Jackson in Hackettstown asking, is it the sound of a car locking or unlocking one final good guess 
going back to a mystery sound we had a number of guesses on a few weeks ago asking is it a photocopy machine or a scanner mm, no I don't quite hear that one do you Ina? no it doesn't sound anything like that yeah no but uh, if you do think you know what it's like 083 306 9696 we've also got a winner to announce because as part of the celebrations for Heritage Week Maureen Magan in Garen who correctly identified Dunmore Caves as our Kilkenny Heritage site this morning has picked up a 100 euro all for one voucher with thanks to Kilkenny and Carlow County Council's Heritage Offices and we'll have two more of those vouchers to give away tomorrow. We were also talking earlier on about uh, legendary female Irish TV characters. Uh, You never got to tell us who was your favourite. Oh my God, favourite, favourite would be, well, I think Biddy was really iconic when I was a child. She was amazing and she was a farmer. So she was doing what Roisin is still trying to do, which is promote with agriculture. (laughs) Well, a texter wondering, uh, a very different sort of feel and vibe from Biddy in Glenrow. Brian, are you old enough to remember Pamela Anderson in Baywatch? I don't think Pamela Anderson was Irish. But yes, I do certainly remember her. I bet you do. She's hard to forget. That's a brilliant documentary on Netflix with uh, Pamela, and you might see her. Oh, I'll have times. to watch that. So you might be disappointed, Brian. Well, okay. Be. Well, listen. I hope you won't not be disappointed for the afternoon. I'm sure you won't. John Keane is with you after the news at twelve, and myself and Una will be back with you tomorrow morning from ten. We will. Take care. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie